This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church, welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. And Pastor Michael, you have three favors you want to ask our listeners to do. Yes, yes, yes. So um, a couple weeks ago, we launched our Village Church mobile app. Oh, that app is great. Android and iOS platform. So if you go into your app store and type in Village Church of Bartlett, um, you'll see our app on the very first page. You can submit a Q&A podcast question. And uh, so that's a great way to do it. We want to ask you, would you actually go download that app? That'll be a great way to, for you to keep in touch with us, communicate and uh, submit your questions. Um, number two is going to be, would you share this? Share it with someone. Yeah. And in the app as well, you can listen to all of the podcasts in the app and share it in the app. And then finally, number three, would you rate and review? And um, we just thrive off of these. The more you rate and review, the more people get to see it. So it's actually a really strategic thing. Um, It's another way of sharing. So if you can give us more ratings and reviews, more people get to see it. And um, so we really are just super blessed by the feedback that we get. And um, thank you, listeners. Yeah, thank you. Seriously, like for thank you, listeners, for being so yeah, just sticking with us and uh, sharing this. And uh, we we love it. The questions are amazing. So we have a biggie today, Tim. What's our question for today? (laughs) All right, here's our question for today. Do we have the original documents from the biblical authors? I, I hear that all the time from people. Well, how do you know the Bible's true? We've lost all the original documents. How do we? How can we trust the Bible? Right. So, do we have the original documents? Absolutely not. No. Um, that is that is not. We don't have the original documents from almost anything um, dating Nothing back that far. So um, we have we have our copies of copies. Now, listeners, let's get scientific. What we're going to do it? Okay. Yes. Um, so the original manuscripts. This is a this is a really the important original word. author's piece of paper or papyra or mm. whatever he wrote yep. on that we don't have. Right. It's called the original manuscript. So we say the Bible is inerrant and inspired in the original manuscripts, which actually kind of feels like a joke because we don't have it. Don't have those. And so um, we we understand that the distance between that original manuscript and our translations, there might be some distance. Okay. Now, you might be hearing that and thinking, look, see, I can't trust the Bible. And if you stop listening, okay, you're closed minded. Keep listening. Keep listening. Okay. So um, we want to determine what did the original manuscripts say? And um, this is a science, the science of determining what the original manuscripts said is called textual criticism. Technical definition would be the process of attempting to discern the original wording of a text. Um, Textual criticism is a method used to determine what the original authors wrote on that original papyri or whatever, papyri, I don't plural, how do you pluralize (laughs) that? So for the sake of illustrating textual criticism, let's focus on the New Testament. And this is really cool. I I have grown to love this this subject matter. Mm -hmm, Me too. Um, And so the New Testament, there are uh, last last time I researched this, which was a couple of years ago, there's probably more, but 5,366 manuscripts to compare and draw information from um, for a textual critic. Uh, my goal, again, is to find out what did the original authors write. And I've, so I got 5,300 manuscripts. Okay, And when you say manuscripts, you're talking about copies of the original. Yes, copies of copies. Sometimes they're copies of copies of copies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you might have um, one manuscript that is in the 13th century, and it has been copied 15 times, right? And so I might have another manuscript from the 2nd century. Now, pop quiz, Tim, if you want to get closer to the original, 
which manuscript are you going to look at? I, I would want to get to the closest of the original yeah. to trust that one yeah. first. In, in theory, that would be <laughs> a thousand years after the original was written. <laughs> right. If I could get just maybe fifty years after the original, That'd be I would better. trust that one. Yep. So five thousand three hundred sixty-six manuscripts. Let's compare that to six hundred and forty-three copies of Homer's Iliad yeah. and ten copies of Julius Caesar's Gallic Wars. So, like, when it comes to the quantity of copies of copies that that textual critics get to work with, there's a whole lot more, which means they have a whole lot more opportunity to figure out what the original authors wrote in the original manuscripts. Right. And, and, so, and those two things that you just mentioned, the, the Iliad and Caesar's Gaelic Wars, those ghost copies are thousands of years, uh, 8,000 years or yep. so after the original writings. Yep. And we're, we're and, and pretty no, confident yeah. that what we have is not what um, Homer or you know wrote. We're yes. pretty confident pretty that actually close. it's close. But Close. not accurate. Right. So um, the earliest New Testament manuscripts we have, um, they were made as early as 40 to 70 years after it was written. Those are the earliest manuscripts that we found. So you got to remember too. go back, go back in time here. Um, the, the original authors and the original audience were not thinking 2000 years down the road. I'm going to I'm going to put this on something that's going to last for 2000 years. They used the resources that were around them and it was it would be impossible for most of them to endure. On top of that, they were traveling from church to right. church. These were mobile documents and so um, they were not necessarily as concerned about preserving the originals. The lack of preservation of the originals says nothing under other than the fact that many of them were attempted to be destroyed. They were mobile, they were probably ripped, they were used and so they would copy them and then when they were done with them, they would probably just throw them out or burn them or get rid of them or something, you know? Um, And so we should not be concerned that we don't have the originals, but we have such a preponderance of evidence uh, of manuscripts that we can actually now, and and this is what we say, we with 101% um, confidence um, have the original um, writings of the original authors. And I'll explain that in a minute. So of these 5,300 manuscripts when you catch this there are over 200,000 variants and, and that's going to make some people really nervous by using that word variant yeah it would um, but a variant is a textual critic's friend okay because when you see a variant it makes you actually go back further mm-hmm. and challenge and prove well which one is closer to to the original that's right so these these variants could be a big deal for people but actually it just gives more information for the um, people to work the the textual critics to to, to really work with. So um, the vast, and I mean like vast majority of these variants are spelling, okay? Because when you're copying long text, inevitably you're going to make a spelling error or something. Um, and so if a single word is spelled wrong in 3,000 copies, then that that counts for 3,000 variants. And so I may have a second century copy of John 1.1 1, 1 and a 13th century copy of John 1.1 1, 1, and the word is spelled different. Um, and that might account for 6,000 variants. Yes. But we already know what the original is because we know how to spell the word and we have the earlier document. Mm-hmm, right. And so these variants are not that big of a deal, but because there's so many manuscripts and so many copies of copies, um, one spelling error in the third century can accumulate to thousands of variants in the 15th century. Mm-hmm. So all, all that to say, um, there, there are about 10,000 places where variants actually occur. And almost like 99% of these have nothing to do with anything big it is only word order and spelling mm-hmm. that's what almost right. all of them are which is pretty amazing if you're going to have 5300 documents you're only going to have 
Um, 99% of your variants are going to be a word order or spelling. Like that's, I think that's, that's and, and they awesome. have absolutely nothing that changes the actual meaning of those words. Yep. So there are 40 places in the whole New Testament where we are not certain which reading is original. But here's what we are certain. We are certain we have the original. Mm -hmm. We just don't know which, which one which it one is. Was... Um, and uh, none of them, all 40, none of them have anything to do with any major or minor doctrine at Correct. all. They yes. are completely inconsequential. Yes. So that's why we, we actually say we have 101% because we know we have it. And then we also have some extra writings that we're like, we think they, they were, maybe not. Um, but even those, they're completely inconsequential. And so here's what we know. When you open up your Bible, we have 100% of what the authors originally wrote statistically because of the amount of variance and how this whole science works. And there are a few places where we're like, we think this was a part of it. Um, we're not sure. Or here are two alternate options, um, but they're completely inconsequential. They mean nothing. And so, um, uh, yeah. And, so, And none of them are major doctrinal issues anyway. None of them. And we just got to, we got to clarify that. Some people are going to hear 2,000 textual, 200,000 textual variants, 10,000 places, and they're going to freak out. It's like, no, actually, these are not that big of a deal. There are 40 places where there is actual question mark and they're all inconsequential yes. with doctrine or truth or the meaning of Christianity. So, which is pretty cool. This science has brought us to a place where we have 100% of what was written. And now the question is, was it this word or that word? Was it this comma or that comma? Even though commas didn't exist, but you get the point. Um, and so even if, this is really cool, even if we didn't have any manuscripts, we could assemble almost the entire New Testament from the writings of the early church fathers. Only yeah, 11 yes. verses are missing, and most of those are from 2nd and 3rd John. I mean, you just take the early writings of the early church fathers, um, and we have almost the entire 99.9% .9 of the Bible. Now, I want you to, I want you to notice this. The er writings of the early church fathers are not the manuscripts. This is just a no, separate, no, no, no. separate um, group of data that confirms the manuscripts, okay? So as we say that, the New Testament that we hold in our hands is incredible, and the science of textual criticism has allowed us to know with 100% accuracy that we are holding the original, um, we'll say words of the original authors, yes. um, and where we have questions, they're, they're just completely incon inconsequential, big picture. So... Um, as we look at textual criticism, there have been two branches of Christendom over the last 2,000 years as it pertains to copies. The Western version, which is what we know the Roman Catholic Church, and I think it's the 5th century, um, transitioned to using Latin as the primary copying text. Okay? Yes. And so their Bible translation um, was based off of Latin manuscripts. The Eastern Church, also known as the Orthodox Church, they stuck with Greek, and so they made copies of copies of, of the Greek language. And so as we as we think about um, the majority of the Greek manuscripts that we have, they come from the Eastern Church, which had a very high value of copying with we'll say integrity, um, the Greek language to the Greek language for centuries. So again, the most of the translations or most of the manuscripts that we have are Eastern in nature. So what I want to do right now is pause because we just gave our listeners quite a bit to think about. They're like textual criticism. What's that? <laughs> and Eastern, Western manuscripts, variants, et cetera. You may need to go back and listen to that podcast at half speed because I talk <laughs> fast and I'm caffeinated. Um, but at the end of the day, as I like to say, that yes, rhymes also, say. at the end of the day, as I like to say, 
what I want to do is increase your confidence in the English text that you have um, because not only is it based in incredible accuracy in the, in the, in the Greek and Hebrew text that we're using, um, but also it is done by textual critics and scholars and PhDs and very intelligent people, and it is a work of art. Mm-hmm. It is a pure work of art. And so a translator and a textual critic, they go hand in hand. The textual critic makes sure that the translators have the best original languages, the the texts that are most closest to what the original authors wrote. And then the the translators come in and they take those texts and they translate them into our languages so that they're accurate, clear, and readable. So really cool. But tomorrow we're going to get into um, some of the controversy over, we'll say, here's this. Why do King James only people bicker so much with New American Standard, ESV, NIV, and everybody else who doesn't use it? And uh, the reason, which I'll give you now, but we're going to bait you a little bit, is because they use a different Different Greek New Testament and a different text in general to translate from. What? Can we Mm -hmm. even trust anything? Come tomorrow and you'll find out. Thanks, listeners, for joining us today. Please come back on Monday when we answer the question, is the King James a good translation? 